up your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. We're in a series right now called uh, Next Step Living. And the idea is, you know, everyone can picture in their minds someone they know or uh, someone they've met that is just, just has a deep, beautiful relationship with the Lord. You know, you just, it, just, it just comes out of them. And so that's our goal. I mean, we, we want to be like Christ. And even Paul said, you know, he had that relationship and he said, do what I do. And so we, we look at people like that and we go, man, that's what I want to do. I want to be like Christ. And so it, it, the task just seems daunting sometimes because we look at our own life and we go, oh, I'm not there. And so what this series is hopefully doing is getting us to think in terms of just the next step, not the entire process. Not to, not to go all 26.2 miles if you're running a marathon, but just what the next step is going to be. Hebrews says we run with endurance the race set before us. That was just step after step after step. And so where we are right now in the book of Matthew is um, Jesus had fed the 5,000. And then some Jews came up from Jerusalem. They traveled 85 miles up to Galilee to confront Jesus. And remember what he, they asked him? They said, they went, it was the Pharisees, and they went for their little legalistic thing and said, how come you guys don't wash your hands? They weren't concerned about salmonella poisoning. They were concerned about Jesus getting them on a technicality. So Jesus says, oh yeah? Well, why do you dishonor your father and mother? And then it was conversation kind of broke down after that okay so jesus leaves and he goes to tyre and sidon where he heals the woman's uh, daughter who was demon possessed then he comes all the way around let's see for you guys he comes all the way around to uh the decapolis where he feeds the four thousand and then comes back again to where he fed the five thousand and the pharisees and sadducees are there waiting the top brass the best of the best from jerusalem to try and catch him on something else Okay, that's where we are. And here's what they, it says in uh, Matthew 16, 1. Excuse me. I just feel like I'm going to sneeze. Whew. Okay, I'm just, you, you know how you just fight it? My eyes are going to start water, watering. When I do, I'm going to be like, the word of God is so powerful. I'm going to try and work it into the sermon. All right. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Now, what we've learned about the Pharisees and Sadducees from this time in Matthew is that they don't get along very well, and yet here they are together with one common purpose, to get rid of Jesus, okay? And we'll see this. We've seen it in history past, and we'll see it in the end times. There will be a time when there's a unified world, when we're all, everything's just fantastic, and all the countries are getting along together. And guess what? You're probably going to be beheaded if, you're, uh, if, if God doesn't come before the tribulation. Again, I don't know the answer to that one either, but... People become unified when it's against Jesus. And this is where we are here. And so the Pharisees are saying, show us a sign. And it's not, they they don't want a sign. They don't want a relationship with Jesus. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where uh, the person, or maybe a friend or a spouse or whatever, but the person says, you never, you know, we always do what you want to do. We never do what I want to do. You know, have you heard that? You ever heard kids, your kids? say that as well maybe okay i haven't because my children are angels but you know you're in a relationship sometimes i see spouses going if they're in counseling one's going well she never does that well he never does that do they really want i mean when you say that the person saying it doesn't really want to restore the relationship a lot of times they don't even want you to do it you know okay i'll do it from now on it's too late 
right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. And so it's the same type of thing. Show us a sign. If Jesus had gone, okay, fine, and like taken the sun and the moon and been like, you know, doing those ding, 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 or whatever, and then back they go, they, ah, it's not good enough. They don't want a relationship with Jesus, okay? I don't know where that came from. So what I want to talk about this morning is five pitfalls to this next level. So we're, what we're going to do is we're going to go through Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 12, and we're just going to kind of see some of the pitfalls that Jesus points out here. Okay, and I even have a nice pitfall on there. There we go. Yeah, see? And that neat little trap door? Okay, that was uh, 12 o'clock last night. Okay, here we go. The first is loss of eternal perspective. Loss of eternal perspective. Listen to this. Matthew 16, 2. He replied, When evening comes, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Okay, well, as we move forward in Christ, one of the pitfalls is that we cease to see an eternal perspective for everything we do. We get, maybe we get involved in church a little bit more. Maybe we get involved and do something else. Maybe we start having a quiet time and we lose the sense that what we're doing is for eternity. And so, uh, with these Pharisees, it, it, it stopped being about a relationship with God. And it was all about the moment. Do something now. Give me a sign now. And they're missing the, that, that, that they are at the peak, the pinnacle of redemptive history. God has come down in the form of a man and is going to die for their sins. And all they can think about is themselves. And it's vitally important as we move forward and as, as the kingdom of God moves forward in this church and as we, 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 we get involved in different things and maybe we're being used in a capacity we've never been used before, to, it's not about living spring. It's about God's kingdom. It's about us moving forward, everything having eternal value, having an eternal perspective. So for that, for that neighborhood you're, you live in, why do you have that one neighbor to the right of you? The one that plays his music too loud or parks too many cars in front of your house. For I don't know how long, 10 years, we had a neighbor that just would park all these cars right in front of our house. It drove me crazy, right? Why did I have that neighbor? He actually turned out to be a really nice guy. It was my problem. The reason was because I was immature and God wanted to work that out, as you can see he has. Um, <laughs> anyway... Right? Why are you in the cubicle you're in? Why do you have that job you have? Why are you at the school you're at? Why do you have the spouse you have? What is the eternal value of the decisions you're making day in and day out? Now, again, I don't want to get overly spiritual in it. You know, like, you know, should I get the Twinkies or the Ding Dongs? I don't know. Which one, Lord? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about beginning to see an eternal perspective in our lives. Why, why am I here? Why, what am I doing for the kingdom? You know, Gary uh, Helmers did a, a talk with the youth uh, on finances. And it was awesome because, you know, you, you do a finance seminar and, you know, it's pretty easy. You just have stuff comes in and stuff goes out and you want to make sure more comes in than goes out. It's not rocket surgery, okay? Uh, so you just, you, it's just not that difficult, right? But what happens is when you begin to look at your money in an eternal perspective, decisions you make start to have spiritual value. 
you know, you know if I do this, I'm going to go into debt, and then I'm going to owe debt to somebody, and it's going to be a burden, and it's going to do, you know. And so when you start making decisions, what you're doing is you're humbling yourself. You say, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to go without that in order to please God in my finances. That's eternal value. They had this eternal perspective. See, it's kind of like this. Jesus was, they wanted a sign, and Jesus was right there. Like, what a sign from heaven. For God so loved the world. You really love us? Give us a sign. Okay, he sends his only son to die on a cross for our sin. That's the sign. And they miss it. And you know what? I miss Jesus right in front of me all the time. It it looks like this. Uh, Maybe you've had this experience. Maybe you haven't. But you're involved in the conversation. You're talking to people. And you're going, going. And then you drive away and go, Oh, I should have. Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I say that to them? Oh, what an idiot. Why was I not thinking? That's, That's the Lord going, Hey, I was right there in that conversation. And you missed me. It's like, Lord, if you want me to talk to him, just give me a sign. Okay, you're talking to me, so it must be on your heart, right? Have you ever done that? I've done that. And I leave and I go, Ma, or, or, or I shouldn't have said something, which is typically more how it works with me, right? But, but then but when, you, when you have an eternal perspective and you go into these conversations with that, how can I bless this person? How can I make an impact on their lives? You're more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And the Pharisees and Sadducees were nowhere near that. They didn't care about the people. They only cared about themselves. That, that loss of eternal perspective. You can't interpret the signs of the times. And let me tell you, church, the kingdom of God is in your life right now. There, there, there's a, you are at a redemptive point in history. And God wants to move through you. You are the sign to a lot of people. We can't miss that loss of eternal perspective. Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven. When you're a citizen of something, you're, you're involved in it. It's, it piques your interest. When I watch the Olympics, I only care about the United States winning medals. If Sweden wins the you know, curling, I don't really care. If the U.S. is doing curling, like curling is my favorite sport in the world if the U.S. is trying to win a gold medal. I'm just like, come on, man, push it with that broom. Go, go. You know, right? Because I care about America. You know, I'm, I'm patriotic. I want us to win. It's the same way in the kingdom. We start looking, man, the Lord might be involved in here, in this situation. It's a tiny, insignificant situation like curling. But for some reason, I'm interested because it's the kingdom. And we, we, there's a chance that we can advance the kingdom. That God would get more fame, more glory. And then on Colossians 3, 2, we all know this one. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. The second thing is looking for the new and improved. It's another pitfall. We look for the new and improved. The, the ah, church is okay today. I wish we did this. I wish we did that. And we lose sight of the fact that God's working all along. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign. But none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. So what Jesus is saying here is, you have enough already in me. And, and, and I'm telling you, if there was never another healing in this church, if there was never another, you know, miraculous check that came in the mail to help, we have enough just in what Christ has done for us, just in the sign of Jonah, just in what we celebrated last week of the resurrection. 
If God chose not to do anything else, the fact that we're redeemed is enough. That's our sign. Now, praise God, he's more active. Well, praise God that he continues to be active in our lives outside of just being redeemed. Amen? So he says, um, uh, you're going to get this sign of Jonah. Now, you remember Jonah was in the belly of the whale. I did this in first service, too. It's not a whale. It's just a fish. We don't know if it was a whale or not. Um, so he's in the belly of the fish for three days, and then he comes out. This is the, a, a shadow of Christ being resurrected. And so he says, the only sign you're going to get is, is me. This is it. And one of, the, one of the next step pitfalls is that we get accustomed to the miracles we're already seeing. I'll give you a terrible example in my own life. It's very embarrassing, but I'm going to give it to you anyway even though it makes me shudder to think about it. At my old church, when I was sitting in a chair rather than up here, at that church, many people would come to Christ every week. We'd have at least five people come to Christ every single week. And so one, one particular week, I was, uh, I was hungry, <laughs> which, okay. So, uh, and I was thinking about where I was going to go eat lunch. I Now, listen, I know none of you have ever while I was preaching, have ever had that thought cross your mind. Um, so the pastor was just going on and on about some story about him being hungry. And uh, he gets done with his sermon. And in my mind, I went, oh, man, we still have to do the altar call. Okay? Now, don't, be, don't judge me, okay? <laughs> don't, oh, that's a uh, boo. He'll throw us up. Okay? It is. It's incredibly embarrassing for me to tell that story because what was I saying? I'd gotten so accustomed. Now, listen, the angels in heaven, every time a soul comes to Jesus Christ, they throw a party. And it's a real party. It's an authentic celebration. It says that in Scripture. They don't just get tired of it and just be like, oh, man, here we go again. Yeah. Okay. it doesn't it doesn't happen that way. It's an authentic party. And I'm going, what's for lunch? What, what happened? Did I lose my salvation? Probably, but I got it back. But I got so used to those miracles. I got so used to seeing the Lord move that I, I really wanted something new and improved. Like, okay, so five people come to Christ. That happens every week. But what else is going on here? There doesn't need to be anything else going on there. Right? Incredibly embarrassing. Looking for the new and improved. And, you know, so, sometimes the Holy Spirit has different movements. We, we saw it in the Jesus movement, and we've seen it in other movements. Uh, that some are more controversial, some are less controversial. And sometimes the tendency is to try and, like, take what's going on in that movement and try to incorporate it here or run after it or whatever. Listen, a mighty move of the Spirit can happen right in your life. It, it, can, it can explode. Ministry can explode in your life. You don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to find the latest and greatest. And so Jesus says to them, man, a wicked and adulterous generation misses the signs that are right in front of them. You see what I'm saying? And that's a pitfall. 
It's a pitfall as you as you, we get used to kind of how we do church here and the things that kind of happen. I mean, every Wednesday night, there's a miracle of those people being fed. That ministry is happening on campus. And, you know, we can just get used to just driving by. Oh, yeah, there's the food ministry. Oh, yeah, there's the youth ministry. We, we just get used to it. Or, oh, I wish they were a little, I wish they do this differently and that different. Missing the miracles that are happening right in front of our eyes. It's a pitfall. We can get used to it. There are signs that God's moving all around us. And the new sign, the new miracle, the one that blows you away, might just be you. A bondage being broken. Something like that. The third thing is legalistic or a liberal perspective. Uh, and this isn't uh, politics here. Matthew sixteen five. So when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Now Jesus gives them a word here. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, a lot of times in this story, we get all hung up on the fact that they forgot to bring bread, and then Jesus reprimands them. But Jesus is giving a real warning to them right now. This is a real warning. Be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. If we only had this verse, we could stay on this verse for a week. Because what is Jesus saying there? He's saying, you have got to leave... See, for the disciples, this was incredibly difficult. The Pharisees and Sadducees had the keys to their society. They could make life very miserable for these disciples. And what Jesus is saying is, you're going to have to put that all aside. You can't even let a little bit of that get in, or it's going to mess you up. Now, if you Remember, we've talked about the Pharisees. They're incredibly legalistic. Okay, they... they followed the law, and then they added all these other things on top of it, right? Incredibly legalistic. The Sadducees, so that was kind of like ultra-conservative doctrine. The Sadducees were more liberal in their doctrine. They kind of, they liked to hang out with the Gentiles and party and do, it wasn't so much for evangelism. It was just to hang out and just be part of the thing. They liked being involved in society. They were the wealthier of the two camps, uh, a daughter of a Sadducee, famous Sadducee, married Herod, which is just unheard of. And they got involved with the Herodians and all this kind of stuff. They were more like too, too much part of the culture. And so what Jesus is saying is to his disciples and to us, be careful. Be careful that in your next step, as you grow in your maturity in Christ, you don't tend to go one way and go, you know what? And start bringing down laws on the church that don't exist. On things that you just feel strongly about. Okay? And don't go the other way. And just start going, well, you know what? Everybody has their own. And, and start losing the fact that the word of God is, is piercing. <laughs> you know, there's some truth in the word of God. That you might have to speak up and say, you know what? Your lifestyle is unhealthy. It's wrong. Okay? Now, what happens is the reason why the Lord is, is, is telling him. Remember, we... If you read Galatians, Galatians is, is basically Paul giving this exact same letter to the Galatians, going, you guys, you got that leaven of the Pharisees. You're going back to the old way. It doesn't work that way. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's what Paul keeps telling the Galatians. You were saved by the Spirit. Now you want to go back to the law again? What are you guys doing? Okay, so it's very important for us as we take those next steps to not become too liberal. And again, that, that term is used... Uh, you know, in a lot of different ways, but not to kind of go, well, the word is one truth. Uh, the word is the word of God. 
And we don't go the other way and go, well, you know. You need to, I remember, <laughs> I, got into, uh, I got an argument with one guy who said, you have to have your quiet time in the morning. I mean, what? Uh, anyway. So, you know, it's just that kind of, that kind of stuff. Because he found a verse that he was pointing to, that, you know, in the morning when I rise, you know. Yeah, yeah, oh, maybe that's a song. I don't know. Anyway, he, he was wrong. I was right. Okay. Legalistic or liberal perspective. Be careful for extremes, okay? It's Christ. See, when, if I become legalistic, I want it to become because the Lord is telling me, hey, you need to shape up. And start taking it seriously. And if I become more liberal, I want to because the Lord is going, you know what? You're, you're too judgmental on people. You need to let some more stuff go. Right? All from Christ. The fourth thing. Let up on learning. So in Matthew 16, 7, it says, They discussed this among themselves and said, It's because we didn't bring any bread. One of the other pitfalls that we have, especially in church, is that we surround ourselves with the same people every single day. And that group of people only has so much knowledge in it. Okay, if Kai and I hang out, Kai knows a lot about music. I could hang out with him all the time and he could just tell me about music. I'd be, oh, this is so smart. But if we spent week after week after week together, soon he'd tell me everything he knew about music. And then where would we be? And one of the pitfalls we have to watch out for is this verse right here where it says, they discuss this among themselves. That we just stay in this stagnant pool of collective knowledge and we're not stretching ourselves. When you stop learning, you stop growing in Christ. You've got to keep learning about learning the word, learning what does this mean in my life? How does it apply? How can I use it? What is, you know, you know going through maybe a book, First Peter or something like that, where you really dig deep. Maybe your quiet time has just become, you know, Great, done, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep you asleep, and that's it. And, and, and God's telling you, there needs to be a fresh fire in your learning. Just to talk amongst the same friends every time on every situation is dangerous. These disciples didn't go to the Lord. They didn't go to the Lord and learn more. They just got amongst themselves. They were scared. They didn't want to offend Jesus. And I can understand that, <laughs> Jesus isn't like the nicest guy with the disciples. You know, he's, like, he's probably going to give us that little faith thing again that he always tells us. We have little faith, you know? Who knows? But for some reason, they're with each other, and it's dangerous. If you look at G- I want to read this section of Scripture. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 12. We do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. If we're hanging around the same people all the time and our goal is just to be a little bit better than those people, it's an unwise way to live. Our model is Christ. And so our goal is we are heading towards Christ. We want to be like Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we pull people along with us. Learning, applying. You see that? The disciples, they just turned to one another and they discussed it amongst themselves. Those are my worst decisions when I try and find people that are, you know, 
I want to be surrounded by people who are constantly coming to me. Hey, did you notice this in the Word? Did you see this? This is who we are. This is what a small group is supposed to be all about. A group of people who go home and they get into the Word and they come back and they go, Oh, man, the Lord opened my eyes. And, and there's this collective growing. Jesus in uh, John 16 says this. He's at the end and he says, Ah, oh. well, I'm sure he started with that. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. In other words, have you ever been teaching someone? Again, I don't mean to pick on Kai, but you know, Kai's a great guitar player. I, you know, when you teach someone guitar, it's like, they're like, and you know, as a teacher, you're just like, ugh, I've got, so, you've got such a long way to go. So that Jesus says this to them, I'm, you are not even close, but I can't keep force feeding you. You have to eat it, digest it, work it off, the next thing, the next thing. So what does he do? He tells them as much as he can, he dies and he rises again. And in Acts chapter 1, it says for 40 days, he's hanging out with him. What is he doing? He's performing miracles and he's showing them the things of the kingdom. When he was there, 40 days. Then he goes on, this is back, he gives them the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, it says it right here. But when he, verse 13, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Everybody here in the sound of my voice has a life, things that are yet to come that you don't even know about. Me, everything. The Holy Spirit is there waiting to guide and direct. Do you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life? Learn. Learn. Don't stop learning. Don't stop questioning. Lord, what would you have me do? What does this verse mean in my life? Don't stop. The more we do that, the more Holy Spirit we have. Why? Because he's the one guiding. He's the one speaking to us. You want to hear from God? Get into the word. He speaks to us through that. And then we get to hear his voice and we know. And then when we're in a conversation, we hear that same voice and we go, oh, he wants me to do something. You see that? Let, don't let up on your learning. I, um, you know what? I want to read one thing. I, can't, I did it again. I forgot my Bible. Can I borrow your Bible? If you have a Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 42. Real quick, I didn't put this up on the board, but it's an important one. This is so encouraging, guys. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Is so awesome. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. You know, God wants to guide you. Wants to guide you through every step. We talk about this next step. God wants that step placed exactly where. Move your foot over here. Do that. He will do it. Isaiah 42, verse 16 is what that was. It's a great, great scripture. Thanks. Yeah, I'll put my finger there so you can look at it later when you do your study. She can never get enough of my sermons. It's incredible. Okay. Number five, lean too much on the physical. Matthew 16, 8. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, 
You have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand what I was talk- that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. One of the other pitfalls is that we focus too much on the physical. I haven't showed you guys this yet, but I'm going to show you for the first time. There are two kingdoms, okay? (laughs) There's the kingdom of the world down here, and there's the kingdom of heaven. You've seen it. The kingdom of heaven up here, okay? This is a prime example of God going, I wanted to show you something so fantastic. Something that, I, the, that God himself wanted to teach them. Do you, you see that? God himself has a word for these Pharisees. And they're just about ready to miss it because they're talking about bread. And it's a pitfall we all have to look out for. Do we focus too much on things? Do we focus too much on, oh man, and a lot of it has to do with fear. We're fearful. Same with the Pharisees. Oh no. We didn't bring bread. See, it came out of their insecurity, out of their fear. And oftentimes, the same thing happens with us. We're worried about our retirement. We're worried about a college, uh, uh, saving for college. We're worried about an ailment with our kids. We're worried about this. And we're so focused down here, and the Lord's going, Oh, don't you understand? I've got something just for you, to be a guide just for you. I want to lead you on a path you've never known before. I want to turn the light on in the darkness, like it says in Isaiah 42, okay? And so what he tells them is, Ugh, are you guys so dull? You're down here in the physical? What, what, what it, what, what's consuming you right now? What's the thing that's on your heart right now? What, what's the thing that weighs you down? Is it something physical? Or is it a, is it a burden for the lost or a burden for you know something up here? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My burden's easy. It's light. When we begin to take this this stuff down here and we begin to focus on it, the Lord doesn't just lift that burden. He says, you've got to remove that burden and take on what I have. Right? Oftentimes we pray just like, like, like those Pharisees and Sadducees were asking, Lord, show me a sign. You know, take care of this thing down here. And the Lord's going, I... No, you give it up. And then I'm going to show you something radically different beyond anything you could ask or imagine. Here's how Matt, he's already told them this in Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. This is a very famous verse. We remember it. I'm sure you guys remember the sermon I preached on this very, very well. Uh, Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your focus is, the thing that consumes you, that's the kingdom you're serving. When the things of God consume you, you're serving that kingdom. When the things of this world consume you, you're serving that kingdom. Because why? Because you're giving it your heart. God says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
That's all kingdom stuff up here. If our heart is with things, it can't be in two places. A house cannot be divided. We cannot serve God and money at the same time. In this last verse here in Matthew, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I think I've quoted this verse every week for the last eight months, <laughs> right? You guys should be so sick of it. You're like, okay, fine, excellent. That's what we want. Uh, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek up here, all these things will be taken care of. And that's what Jesus was saying, wasn't he? He was saying, bread, I, met, I fed 5,000 people from your nasty loaves that you had just lying around. Right? I fed 4,000 people. You guys barely came up with anything. Don't worry about that. I'm talking about the yeast of the Pharisees. I'm talking about spiritual guidance up here. And our pitfall is we focus too much on, on the physical. I want to conclude with this. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Ta-da! Ding, 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 ding. Yay! Then they understood. And we all look at the disciples and we go... You're so stupid. And we all walk out and we start focusing on this stuff. And then, and then the Lord tells us something. We call up our friend and go, you know what? The Lord just showed me. I think about things too much. And we go, ding, 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 ding. You know, right? We do the same thing. But they understood. Their eyes were open. And as you begin to go out this week, and as I begin to go out this week, begin to try and get that eternal perspective. What little things, that next step. What is the Lord trying to show us? I'm going to show one other section of Scripture. It's, it's fairly long, so please stick with me. It's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2.9. It's very exciting. This verse is extremely exciting. It says, However, it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Now that, that verse in and of itself is just fantastic. There is an omniscient, all-powerful, loving God that has things planned for you that you, ha- you, you can't even conceive how fantastic they are. Okay, that's what that means. But God has revealed it to us by his Holy Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Now listen that we may understand, just like those disciples, what God has freely given us. And maybe this morning, that understanding, that light going on, is a new sense of being redeemed. That's one of the miracles that's in our life that we can draw from every day, but maybe we get used to it. Yeah, I'm saved by grace through faith. I got it. The miracle's over. Now let's go on. And the Lord says, no, I want you to reconnect to that. Or maybe it's something else, some new thing, new ministry or new something that the Lord wants to birth in you. He's got great things planned. But these pitfalls can get in the way. 